It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, Delvin is a terrific player. Um, you know, he's, he's a great runner. Uh, the, screen, the screen run, I think, was an outstanding play by him. Uh, we did get some guys downfield and, and block for him. But, you know, part of it, too, is, uh, you know, I thought we had a good scheme against him, and I thought our offensive line did an outstanding job. So um, Delvin's great. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm glad he's on our team. You know, um, uh, but the offensive line and the receivers and the tight ends did a nice job blocking for him as well. Depending on your outlook, either a great win for the Vikings over the Packers or a devastating win for the Vikings over the Packers. We'll go through just our second pie chart of praise to start the show, and we'll dive into all kinds of other things, both Vikings and Gophers football related here on Mackie and Judd. But a quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company, Federated also on Twitter at Federated INS with fresh, relevant risk management content and takes on a variety of topics that could impact your business. In fact, that's what they're here to do. They're here to help your business, whether it's during a difficult pandemic year or whether it's during just a normal year. Federated has been standing behind business owners for over 100 years in the state of Minnesota, based in Owatonna since 1904 at Federated Insurance. It's always our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome in to the show, Mackie and Judd. If you missed Vikings Ventline yesterday, it was great. We we had a mm-hmm. passionate Judd Zolgad rant that you can, if you just want that rant, just go check out Score North Twitter or Facebook. And Judd Zolgad answered the question, and I've seen this a couple more times on our Purple Daily YouTube page over the last 12 hours, youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. Why are you rooting for the Vikings to lose? Why are you being so negative? Why are you not happy that they beat the Packers? So I'm not asking you to go through your whole rant again, but if you want to just sum up for, I think we should, we should, we just start every Vikings discussion with that disclaimer. Why are you rooting for the Vikings to lose, Judd Zolgad? <laughs> because I want this team to build itself so it can be in position not to make the playoffs, but win a Super Bowl. That's as easy as I can put it because I'm 51, I'm getting old, and I got tweets back from a bunch of people who agree it's becoming a frightening proposition that the Vikings will not even make a Super Bowl again in our lifetimes. I don't want playoff berths. I don't want pop-up fun years. I want a really solid, good franchise that can get itself to a Super Bowl and win a Lombardi trophy before I decide to take a dirt nap. Amen. Amen. That's the ramp. Now, I will say, before we get into our pie chart of praise, after thinking about this, like I'm rooting for losses. I was all aboard the tank for Trevor 
bandwagon. That's going to be very difficult just seeing how dead the Jets are and how much they are likely to uh, to draft Trevor Lawrence. Um, that ship has probably sailed after yesterday's victory, but I also don't think that if like I don't think that if you were to draft like ninth or tenth or even like fourteenth or something, I don't think it just automatically means you can't find your next franchise quarterback. I think it makes it harder and it makes it more likely that you would stumble into another Christian ponder of some kind by overreaching or uh, or picking someone with flaws that you're not able to develop. So I've kind of I've kind of gone from oh my god, why are they winning this game? This is just completely train wrecking their their long term ability to find the guy to all right like. There's a handful of potential franchise quarterbacks that are going to be there, and not all of them are going to go in the first five picks. So, sure, it's just going to be up to them to but, scout and develop. Sure, but if you go on a run now, what? There's nothing that frustrates me more in sports than bad teams that um, start off poorly, and then the pressure goes, and then they're like, "This is fun now. We've got nothing to play for, so let's win a bunch of games." And you sabotage your future by doing so. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to be good, be good. That's awesome. That is fun. 2017, 13 wins was great, right? That's fantastic. Judd Zolgan applauds that. Do that every year if you can. But, but, and, and as Dex knows, the Wild does the same thing. Man, we're off to a bad start, but now the pressure's off. Hey, this is fun. Hockey's fun again. Let's win. No, no, you're bad. That's okay. Be bad. Pick your path. That's in, in life, right? Pick your path. Well, the, the other thing, though, is like you could actually make a case. Hey, the Titans, the Seahawks, they lost both those games by close shaves. They just beat the Packers pretty soundly at Lambeau Field. I mean, is this a team that's really above 500 in terms of where they should be? And they just had a couple bad luck losses. So you could actually make that case, but it'll all play out. They've got winnable games against the Lions. Uh, and you've got games like Dallas with yeah, no Bears. quarterback. The Bears with no offense. Yeah, but that defense is probably still going to be a problem for this very limited one dimensional right. Vikings offense, the way that Kirk Cousins was. But let's, let's, enough of this. Let's get to our official pie chart of players. Now on Mackie and Judd. We wanted better charts that you could see the fine print on. The pie chart of praise. We should be singing his praises. We'll start with Judd Zolgad here. Ross Perot, man. Ross Perot, there's a throwback. Okay. Um, pie chart of praise, as you mentioned, Phil Mackie, only the second time this season that we've done this pie chart. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. I've got one, two, three. I have four pieces of pie, so it's a perfect pie. It's just split up absolutely perfectly. The biggest um, percentage, though, because I'm going to give an 80% chunk, and this might be low, but I'm going, but it worked. 80% chunk of the pie, Dalvin Cook. Just a great day. Just a fan, a a phenomenal player. And look, in my world, I would not have played him because I want him to be as healthy as possible, but he played. He apparently was fine. That's great. 80% to Dalvin Cook. This was Dalvin Cook, by the way, on uh, on the weather. and Actually, I'm sorry. This is on him wearing sunglasses to the press conference, to the Zoom press They're conference. They're great glasses. Nah, I, I, I wore these in here today. Um, I don't I don't want to show you how tired I am after, after the game. <laughs> yeah, dude touched the ball like 35 times. It's ridiculous. Second piece of pie, and he deserves it, goes to the head coach, Mike Zimmer. 16%. So it's a little bit weird here, but 16%. The defense... Not not 15? Not 15. Not 15, because I, I actually gave a little extra chunk of pie to one <laughs> to one unit. 16% goes to Zim. Uh, your defense, by basically the end of that game, had no corners left. Ant Harris had moved to the nickel corner. 
you were making th- things up. You were basically finding ways to pressure Rodgers. You were doing a lot of things that I questioned with the personnel if they could even be done. And and the other percentage that goes to Zim, because the more thought I gave this last night, I've become convinced. Because people are going to say, well, Cousins threw 14 passes because it was windy, you know, it was real windy. No, they took the bye week. I, I think that Mike went into Spielman and Kubiak during the bye week and said, Kirk can't win. He basically can't play too much. He can manage just fine. I think they spent the bye week with Mike drive being the driving force to eliminate Cousins from the equation. And I honestly think that that's why when Dalvin was cleared, they instantly said we he's cleared, no pitch count, no nothing. Do you want to hear from Cousins on this, by the way? Or should uh, we save this for later? No. Let's hear it. All right, this is Cousins. Just talking about the balanced offense in air quotes. <laughs> Dalvin did a great job today. Um, anytime you score four touchdowns, you know, you deserve uh, – some credit and, um, you know, just a, a great player, dynamic player. We're always trying to find ways to get him the football. I think of a, a third and long early in the game when I checked it down to him and he gets us the first down in the, in the kind of the strike zone, high red zone area. We ended up, I believe, getting a touchdown in that possession. So even those little plays that keep us on the field um, make a big difference. So it's not just running the ball. It's you know, getting involved with the ball in his hands if it's catching the ball or running it. Okay, when I hear that, you tell me, am I being an, an unreasonable Kirk basher when I hear him refer to when he says, I checked it down to him on that big play <laughs> and it then led to a touchdown drive? <laughs> to me, I hear that and I'm totally biased because I am anti-Kirk Cousins at this point. But when I hear that, it's it's him being insecure and trying to inject himself into Dalvin Cook's huge afternoon. Am I reading too much into it? I didn't hear that part, but I did hear one part. He's a quarterback. Like, these guys steel trap minds, right? Like, there are QBs who you ask them about the third down play uh, with um, with three minutes left in the first half. And, and they're like, oh, yeah, the play went blah, blah, blah. How about the fact that Kirk says, I think we scored on that possession? Almost like he was a fan. I think we – no, you did score, Okay. You did score. So I heard the same thing, just differently. Oh, Kirk, man. Good for Kirk. Kirk's going Kirk, Kirk, to check out of some of those runs next game, though, isn't he? Just to show who's boss. The $96 million passenger. It has to be a movie. Because right now he's a $96 million passenger on this train. 16%. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. 16% pie chart of praise goes to Zim. Um, I gave a weird 3%, but I think it's deserved and probably more. Eric Kendricks, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Eric Kendricks, first of all, phenomenal game, j- just as far as a linebacker goes. But in the third quarter, on I believe it was um, the Packers were at their own or at yeah at their own forty-eight, and it was something like what third and thirty or second and thirty. And Aaron Rodgers throws what looks to be a darn near perfect pass or a very nice pass to Devontae Adams of all people. And who's in coverage? Eric Kendricks, and he breaks it up? Eric Kendricks might have been the, the Vikings' best cornerback on Sunday. Yeah. He gets a slice of pie. And then my last 1%, just a little chunk, <laughs> but, but it has to be awarded here, goes to the Packer defense. You could not tackle. Okay. Like, that was pathetic. I, I guess they played Houston defensively uh, pretty well. But, my God, you can't tackle. So, 1% goes to the Packers' defense. So, 80% Dalvin Cook. Zimmer, 16%. Eric Kendricks, 3%. Bravo. 
and the Packers' defense, 1%. That's I, my pie chart. I love it. I love the precise, the precision cutting of Judd's pie chart of praise The Rock here. knows how you feel about pie. All right, uh, Declan, why don't you go next year? What's your, what's your okay. pie chart of praise? I, I just have three pieces of pie. I'm handing out three pieces of COVID pie, uh, uh, normal pie to uh, the Vikings pie. for this win uh, over the Packers. Yeah, by the way, in case, you're, in case you're wondering, so Judd and I both did test negative. We are back in the studio today. Uh, Declan, you're feeling a lot better, but you still have to yep. quarantine for a few more days and stay away yes. from us. Stay away yep. from the yep. office. Don't get your COVID uh, pause on these buttons. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. It might, might be just a... Uh, you know, white powder gloves coming into the studio from uh, from from now here here on forth. So, I'll go with my pie chart here. I'm I'm similar to Judd. Seventy percent of my pie is going to Dalvin Cook just because the dude was unbelievable yesterday. And I I even told you going into the game and and the confidence that if Dalvin Cook is healthy and active, that this offense can absolutely hum. And that's what happened. Dalvin Cook was amazing. And and I know that there's a thirty million dollar game manager and there's a there's a handoff machine that you're paying thirty million dollars to. But Dalvin Cook deserves all the credit. He was dynamic in the run game. He obviously was dynamic in the passing game. I believe Courtney Cronin had the note that he is the first player ever at Lambeau to rush to, uh, to have over 200 total yards and four touchdowns. Wow, that's insane! I mean that, and he set numerous other records too. I know he tied a Vikings record. It's kind of amazing to think that guys like Randy Moss and AP never had four touchdowns in a game before. Uh, so Dalvin Cook, you get a big chunk of pie. It's 70 percent. Zimmer, Mike Zimmer gets 20 percent of this pie going into this game so the vikings were without what two of their top four corners they lose a couple more aaron jones is out for the packers you knew even with windy conditions aaron Rodgers should have a field day i texted a buddy on saturday a big lifelong packers fan i said aaron Rodgers is gonna throw for what 400 500 yards on sunday this guy's gonna carve them up and the vikings defense held him in check i mean Rodgers still throws three touchdowns but the defense was this was this was Mike Zimmer's as as that loyal fan said at the beginning of event line his flipping of the bird to ownership for saying I can still do this and I know guys like Adam Thielen claimed he was ready to play cornerback they move Anthony Harris into the nickel corner after uh, for the last few series just a great performance from Mike Zimmer and his defense so twenty percent of the pie there Gary Kubiak gets the final ten percent and I don't know if I have to hitch this all to Dalvin. I also think the offensive line played very well. I saw the PFF grades that Riley Reef and Ezra Cleveland were actually the two highest graded players on the Vikings offense yesterday. So the offensive line was very good. They schemed up a very good game. And I don't know if I buy Judd's theory that they went into the game plan and said, Kirk can't touch the ball or we don't, or we don't trust Kirk to win us the game. I don't think the coaches are actually saying that. But I will say they cooked up the perfect offensive stew for a win over a 5-1 and one Green Bay Packers team. So three pieces of pie, Dalvin Cook 70%, Mike Zimmer 20%, and Gary Kubiak gets 10%. I like it. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. So I'm actually just, I'm going to I'm gonna side with Judd. I, I legitimately think if you were to put hidden cameras and microphones in the Vikings' offensive meetings, I guarantee you Mike Zimmer went into, I don't, I don't know like what the logistics are, if they're just meeting via Zoom still or what, but like, I guarantee there was a conversation between Mike Zimmer and Gary Kubiak that said, don't let that SOB train wreck us in this game at Lambeau Field. Do you remember? Okay, first of all, Dex, Zim is very vindictive. If you screw him, he's going to screw you back, and it's going to be worse. Do you guys remember post-game, the Falcons game? Zim was flat out asked, why didn't you bench him? Like, at at halftime, he was terrible. He's he's unplayable. Mm-hmm. And Mike's like basically blew off the question. I guarantee you, he thought to himself, I will do worse than bench him. I will eliminate him. 
<laughs> I will eliminate him completely. I'm not, I, that's how this guy thinks. He hates quarterbacks. He yeah. he in every way, shape, and form because he wants to run I and must, he's got. I must put He's you. got Delvin, so he basically when if he's game planning for an opposing QB or he doesn't like his own, which aside from Teddy, he often does not. He's game planning to limit them. That includes his own guy. For sure. I, I really believe this. I think they spent the bye week saying, how can we eliminate Rick's $96 million mistake? Yeah, I also wonder, too, if, if the game flow dictated some of it and that, sure. like, you know, maybe maybe the initial plan was, listen, we're going to we're going to jam it down their throats. Dalvin's back and we're going to see how that goes in the first half. And then we can maybe leverage play action and get some big plays down the field. But then when they realized the Packers defense has no interest in making a tackle today. They probably didn't even think about going to some sort of a counterpunch in the second half. It was like, if they can't stop the actual run that we're trying to use to leverage play action, let's just keep running the ball. So some of it was probably game flow as the well. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. So I've got four pieces of pie here. Dalvin Cook will get the largest chunk. You guys might be a little bit miffed. I'm giving 30% to Dalvin Cook. Like, Dalvin Cook had, had an amazing game. It's your pie. Judd gave him 80%. It's your pie, man. So uh, he's getting the largest chunk of my pie. But I want to give you guys some stats. Dalvin Cook. Now, mind you, he's only played six games this year. Other running backs like Zeke Elliott with the Cowboys, Todd Gurley, those guys have played eight games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl Henderson with, with the Rams, who's having a good season, he's he's played eight games. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has played eight games. There's a lot of like good running backs who've played two more games than Dalvin Cook. Yet Dalvin Cook leads the NFL among running backs in first downs obtained. Uh-huh. Think about that. He has more first downs than anybody in the NFL, any running back, and he's played fewer games uh, than a lot of these top guys. He has the second most yards after contact behind only Derrick Henry. And he hasn't played as many games. Like wow. He's just ridiculous. <laughs> So uh, those two, I looked at those two and thought, oh, my gosh. And even better, okay, mm-hmm. Derrick Henry has a 94-yard run. And so there's, there's like, Derrick Henry has a couple big-time runs. Dalvin Cook's longest run of the season is only, I say only, is only 39 yards. So the things he's doing to defense is it's not like the Adrian Peterson, right, famine, famine, feast, where Adrian Peterson might run 20 times in a game, and 18 of them are just, like, one yards, three yards, minus one. <laughs> And, there, and, three. and then there's a 75, and then there's a 40, and that's how he gets to 120 yards on 22 carries, right? Mm-hmm. And you'll take that, too. Like, if he wants to bust a 75-yard touchdown run, you'll sign up for that. Um, now, Dalvin Cook did have, I think it was the screen that went for, like, 59 or whatever it was for a touchdown. But when a guy is that dominant, and he leads the NFL in first downs, and he's second in yards after contact, and he's up there among the rushing yard leaders— and he's not doing it with like a 90-yard run and a 70-yard run. It's just, it's 6, it's 15, it's 20. And I think it really shows just how consistently dominant he's been this season as a running back. Uh, so so he gets 30% of my pie chart. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. I'm giving 20% to the offensive line. This was the best graded offensive line performance of the entire season, according to Pro Football Focus. They absolutely blew the Packers back off the line of scrimmage all afternoon long. And if I, you know, if I hadn't watched all these other Vikings games this season and watched how often they get moved off the line of scrimmage, I would have thought, um, I mean, it just looked like a totally different unit altogether. And the fact that Ezra Cleveland gets one of the top grades of the season among any Vikings offensive lineman, that's a great sign. Second game at right guard, too. Right. That's a that's a great sign. Yeah. So 20% to the offensive line just uh, stepping up big time. I'm giving... The Rock knows how you feel about pie. 25% 
to Mike Zimmer and the defensive masterpiece. So all of the things that go into the defensive masterpiece, all right? Some of the guys that played in this game for the Vikings defensively are guys that we've never even really heard of or guys that were drafted in like the sixth and seventh rounds that were supposed to be stowed away on practice squads or stowed away on the bench. And these dudes are stepping up to pressure Aaron Rodgers. I mean, DJ Wanham had a sack and like five pressures in that game. He wasn't supposed to play. Like he wasn't supposed to get anywhere near playing enough snaps to get that many pressures. So for Mike Zimmer to go out there against a Hall of Fame quarterback, at Lambeau Field, even though there's no fans, so that that helped the Vikings, and just take random guys who had no offseason workouts and no preseason, and put them in that position to win. And I'm guessing that Eric Kendricks and Harrison Smith, as communicators on the field, probably had a lot to do with helping guys get where they need to be and whatnot. But um, that was a masterpiece. That might have been one of Mike Zimmer's top three defensive masterpieces as a Vikings head coach. Not necessarily statistically, even though they were great statistically, but just because he didn't have any, he didn't have Daniel Hunter, he didn't have Unique Ngakwe, he didn't have Anthony Barr, um, and he just did it with a bunch of rookies and inexperienced guys. Yeah. So, huge chunk of the pie for that. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. And then my final chunk of pie, 25% goes to the Green Bay Packers for being one of the softest good teams in the NFL. I only gave 1% for being Dude, bad tacklers. I mean, they, they were bad tacklers. That offense, too, if you go look, Aaron, and, we'll, and I'm, I'll give you more of this on Purple Daily today, too. I'll do a deeper dive into this. But Aaron Rodgers, for as great as he is when his team has the lead and when things are going well, he is mediocre when he gets punched in the mouth and when they fall down by double digits. Historically, he doesn't make those comebacks. So, you know, I was sitting there kind of rooting for, like, hey, a lot of good things have happened for the Vikings today. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world that the Packers came back and won this game and the Vikings could could stay in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. And when I realized the Vikings were up by two touchdowns going into the fourth quarter, it was like, Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back in these games. He just doesn't. And he didn't yesterday. He looked terrible. Can we agree now the division stinks? Stinks is a strong word. Chicago's got a good defense. Their offense is awful. There's not a t- But there's not a terrible team in this division. If you think the, like, the Vikings can hang with the Seahawks, they can hang with the Titans. Um, Detroit's 500, basically. They lost yesterday. But yeah. Detroit's 3-4. and four. I just don't think it's good. It's not the, it's, the it's, East it's, is it's a train the wreck. West. The East is a train wreck. This d- division is filled with with mediocre to slightly below, I think, clubs. But the, so I would say, if you were to take all the teams in the NFC East and all the teams in the NFC North, I think the four teams in the NFC North would all be ranked higher and better than the four oh, teams yeah. in the NFC East. Oh yeah, but I mean, so we, that's the train wreck. We could division. put a, a team together today and and be slightly above Philadelphia. That Sunday night game was as bad a football as I've seen. It it was and a I, 19, I watched the whole thing too. It was a yeah. nineteen eighty seven <laughs> replacement level game. And I'm not kidding. It was that bad. It was really bad. That was awful to watch. Who's that quarterback for Dallas? Danucci? Danuzio, Danunzio, Debolunzio, Danucci. His, I don't his know. Uncle Rico's sidearm throw. Did you guys see that one? Where he just yes. like he, I didn't watch he, a second of that game. Yes, I he did. ran to the sideline and then he literally did the Uncle Rico like down on one knee and flung it sideways. And just it just went like through two defenders. The amazing, <laughs> the amazing thing about that game was it, it was almost as if Carson Wentz said, "You stink, but I can match you." Yeah, it was <laughs> it was absolutely pathetic football. Okay, if you had a choice right now, if you had a choice, and and your options are, you can draft a quarterback in the first round, but it's not going to be Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. So it's it's going to be, and Declan's going to do all kinds of scouting reports on these guys starting tomorrow. We're going to get our BYU kids scouting report. 
Or you could take Carson Wentz. You could swap Kirk Cousins for Carson Wentz, but you have to take Carson Wentz's contract, which is like $30 million a year. So would you rather draft a rookie quarterback or would you rather take a flyer on Carson Wentz? I'd rather draft a quarterback. Rookie quarterback. Me too. Because the contract, too. Mm -hmm. The contract. I think Wentz has, I think there's more to give there, but I just don't want to pay $30 million to find that out. I don't think that there's a team in the NFC East currently off the top of my head that I would consider to be truly functional. Like from the top on down. Washington's just a hot mess. Philadelphia's really turned weird. Um, the Giants appear to be a mess, and the Cowboys are just a train wreck. Yeah. Hey, boys, before we get into things we learned in the NFL and also the Gopher football team, with speaking of un- got, unwatchable I got, disasters. I got some stats on, on the Gopher defense. So we'll get to all those things. But first, a quick trip around the room here. Uh, when the Vikings lose, we give you silver linings. When they win, we still give you nitpicks because we, if nothing else, are balanced offensively as well on this show. Hey, you held them to 20 points, man. Yes, you gave us a chance at the end. But I got three words for you. You like that? Yeah! <laughs> right, Judd, your biggest nitpick, either from the game or the broadcast, something surrounding the game uh, that you were like, I don't know about that. So I, I loved how Cousins was not used. I actually think it was brilliant because it was basically saying the guy can't really play, and so he. But you know what? He is a gr- he's outstanding when, when it comes to taking the pigskin and handing it to Dalvin Cook. Uh, but my nit from that is very very simple, and, and it comes as a fan of football. <clears throat> the usage numbers of one Justin Jefferson, four targets, which was his fewest targets since week two, three catches. 26 yards. Now, he still drew coverage, and the Packers certainly paid a lot of attention to him, so that's a good thing. Um, But I want to see him play, and I want to see a really good quarterback drop the ball into the specific areas where Justin Jefferson can make plays, and to see him only get four targets and three catches, um, that's a definite nit. If nothing else, again, I'll circle back, because as a fan of the sport, I want to see this kid. Dude, he didn't. Maybe you said this, but he he didn't get his first target until the four minute mark of the second quarter. Yeah, he was like it was like an hour of real time until Justin Jefferson showed up yesterday. And back not to his f- fault. And back to four targets. I mean, come on. But I get I get why. Um, but I still I would love to see the kid consistently play with a quarterback who can make those throws because I'll keep saying this. I think he's a special talent. Like I don't think he's a good or just hey that's a nice player. I think we're talking about a superstar talent here. And I think that he is emerging very quickly. And every game that he does not have a big game to me is probably a missed opportunity, even though I get what the Vikings thinking was by not having Kirk throw more. Yeah, Dex, what's your nitpick? Yeah, Jeff Jefferson made my list too, but also just the fact that the Vikings have a $30 million handoff machine. Like, I'm, I'm totally okay <laughs> with the Vikings using Dalvin Cook as the basis of how you can be a successful offense, and, and that's great. But Kirk Cousins was non-existent yesterday, and yes, the, the, the form on those handoffs was impeccable. Yeah, what are you talking yeah. about? Those dump-offs, he's great. The screen passes? Dude, I bet his forearm is sore from having to hand that ball oh, off bet. 30 times. I bet. That must be really rough. He, gets, he has 30 million reasons why he gets to ice it today. Um, <laughs> I, I, I also think that, though, if, if your running back can be the guy that sets the table for your offense, then your quarterback should be able to open up things in play action and still be able to make make plays happen when, when, it, when it's his turn to do it. So just the, the whole fact the Vikings have a quarterback who they're paying $30 million to to not – they don't trust. Like, they truly don't trust him. 
So that that's my biggest nitpick, man. I mean, it was great. I love beating the Packers, and I hope that this is maybe the only win the rest of the way. But it, it's very frustrating watching your quarterback be a thirty million dollar handoff machine. I actually, I, I've moved past frustrating. I, I think it's, I think it's hilarious. Like it's, it's, I agree with you. It's what he he has dug this hole for himself. Like, it, it, I mean, he he had he went into this week. I think he was tied with Carson Wentz with ten interceptions. Then Wentz threw two more last night, so Wentz has twelve. Mm-hmm. So Carson Wentz now has the interception lead. But like when you do that, you you throw ten interceptions in your first six games or whatever. Like, dude, you're gonna ha- you're gonna take a step back and you're gonna hand off for three hours. And then maybe we'll go back to giving you actual no. leeway to do something else. <laughs> no, hopefully not. Uh, my nitpick. All right, this is a the Justin Jefferson was going to be mine. I'll give you this one. Aside from the fact that they won the game, that could be a nitpick too. Like winning the game is kind of a nitpick. But Jeff Gladney, uh, and, and again, this is a learning lesson for him. He's going to face a ton of great quarterbacks this season. But he came into the game and he was allowing a near perfect passer rating against for the entire season. And yesterday, when he was targeted, Aaron Rodgers was 7 for 10, targeting Jeff Gladney. 62 yards, so 9 yards per attempt. Uh, I'm sorry, that's 9 yards per reception. The yards per attempt were down a little bit, so at least he kept things in front of him. But he did allow the two touchdowns and also uh, the 70% completion. So Jeff Gladney wasn't a total disaster, but he also was the one that got picked on by far the most by Aaron Rodgers. And so... You know, Rodgers lines up and looks across to that defense and says, there's a lot of random dudes out here, a lot of anonymous guys. Jeff Gladney's the one that I'm going to pick on the most. So I still think there's hope for him long term, but it's been a rough season for the rookie. He's just being thrown into the fire. And Zim was yelling and yelling. He he gave up that first touchdown pass of the game, and he came, and they, they showed it. He came to the sideline, and Mike is, you know, screaming and yelling, and I'm sure that helps the kid just a ton to get yelled at. It's like, this is your decision! You didn't sign a veteran cornerback. Yeah. This is on you guys. I love how they're like, they should learn this. Maybe he likes to be coached hard. I don't know. I just, it drives me crazy when teams don't use common sense. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. So that's your pie chart of praise. That's your Vikings nitpicks. Uh, quick pause, and then we're going to go around things we learned on NFL Sunday. It was a very busy, active, and also a lot of, a lot of weather on NFL Sunday. And then we'll do a dive into the 0-2 Minnesota Golden Gophers. Hey, you held them to 20 points, man. You <laughs> gave us a chance at the end. But I got three words for you. You like that? Football. But you know, before we get into before we get into things we learned in the NFL on Sunday and go for football discussion, you guys didn't think we would forget about Packer Ventline, courtesy of our friends on the fan in Milwaukee, the Green and Gold post game show, uh, sponsored by the tears of Green Bay Packers fans. Go Pack, go! You know, like Gary said, basically this team is the same team from last year, and you know the pressure is on on that front office to do something. Because it's probably not going to get no better for this year. So if it's not going to get any better, we're going to end up with the same results. But at the end of the day, it's about winning championships. And if you're not in it for that, then what are we doing? So uh, whether it's a, a trade or, you know, something has to happen. But uh, this defense don't look good at all. And uh, they got manhandled today, giving up all the rush yards to Cook. What is it going to take to get out of this defensive purgatory 
that we can never get right for some reason. Are there any grown-ass men in this front office that are going to take this team to the next step and get us into that prime defensive territory if we keep throwing draft picks on? Go, Pats, go. Okay, that, I love it. That's our best one in a while. That, I love it. I, I love, that's the missing ingredient is there are yeah. no grown ass men in that Packers front office. As if they're going to come down from from uh, the executive box and play defense themselves because they're grown ass men who <laughs> yeah. are willing to hit somebody. Is that when you when you think about you know, like you rank the NFL front offices? Like, what are the criteria that you're looking for? Is it is it analytics? Yeah. Is it is it the ability to develop a quarterback? No, I want a grown-ass man in my front office. And that's what Rick Spielman is, by the way. <laughs> He's a grown-ass man. Grown-ass man. Go, Pat, go! I hear a lot of people talking about making some trades for the Packers or picking up some veteran talent. Uh, Gary mentions the Chiefs, and they just went out and got uh, Le'Veon Bell. But wouldn't that go against what the Packers have done for the last 10 years? We never pick anybody up and make <laughs> trades. We, we want to just keep our draft picks because we got 10 of them next year and we can get ready for the Jordan Love era because that's what we do in Green Bay. Isn't that what, what we're all about here? He's been a little facetious, right, Bill? Yes, no, he I mean, is. Yes. Hold on a second. You've basically had the same two starting quarterbacks since 1992, and you're being like, yeah, I guess we don't. Now, now he's not entirely wrong, but you know what? Give me the Favre era into Rodgers. I think I'm going to take it. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. It's great. Go, Pat, go! Both of our losses, first Brady and Cousins, both under 200 yards passing. So it's all on this running defense, and that needs to get cleared up, or else it's a wrap. Go, Pat, go! Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> so funny, man. We should we should make like a custom Mackie and Judd booze of some kind, where it's like it's like ten percent alcohol volume, and it's brewed with the tears of Green Bay Packer fans after Fuck they get out. punched in the mouth by teams that can run Owners. the ball. Yeah. The owners. How, how about that? The <laughs> yeah, thousands we'll of owners that they have cultivated <laughs> with certificates. Amazing. Uh, there's more where that came from, and we'll play even more <laughs> clips on Purple Daily today. Can you Apple, play the Spotify, second one? One, one more time, the grown-ass man. Go, Pat, go! What is it going to take to get out of this defensive purgatory that we can never get right for some reason. Are there any grown-ass men in this front office that are going to take this team to the next step and get us into that prime defensive territory if we keep throwing draft picks on? Go, Pat, go! Thank you. Thank you very much. Two of the greatest... Two of the greatest quarterbacks of, of all time, and, and we, we don't have a good defense. We, 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 we're wasting our way, our future. But you know That's what? Great. Brett Favre was a grown-ass man, all right? Brett Favre was a grown-ass man. Who would have played defense if you had only asked? Yeah. Well, didn't Adam, Thielen, didn't Adam Thielen ask to play cornerback yesterday? That's what Declan was saying, yeah. He was ready in defensive cues. He was ready to come in. That's what he said. Would Adam Thielen have been, have been better than Jeff Gladney yesterday? I mean, Gladney was Maybe. fine, but he also got picked apart a little bit. I don't know. Does the Packers' defense know how to tackle? 
I mean, I, I just, <laughs> I, I just don't want to hear no more. Every time we lose a game, like hear Rodgers and hear Lafour say, "Oh, we, it was a bad week of practice." I don't buy it. it I think it's excuses. Now they're saying, "Oh, we do these tackling drills and and practice." I'm about to say. Are you guys doing them right? I mean, where the hell was it today? I mean, I know Dalvin Cook is a great running back. Don't get me wrong, but come on. You can't figure out any time that it's try to stop him at least instead of going about 80 yards every time. Go, uh, go. So good. You get- I, I know you made the point a few years ago, but every, every Packer vent line call sounds like a testimony on making a murderer from Netflix. <laughs> It sounds exactly like that. It, like half of them sound like you're gonna you're gonna hear the automated voice in the background. You have one minute remaining on this call yeah. <laughs> from prison or something. All right, you guys ready to dish out things we learned on NFL yes. Sunday football? All right, let's fire this up here, Judd Zolgat. Let's go around the room a couple times. Tell us something you learned watching the NFL on Sunday. All right, I am. I got to put the glasses on for this one because this actually ties into your Minnesota Vikings. I learned that Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco continues to leave the door open for a significant change at quarterback, okay? Hmm. Now, he left the game in the fourth quarter on Sunday in Seattle. Third time this year that he's been forced out because of that ankle problem. At that point in time, Jimmy G was 11 of 16, 84 yards, no touchdowns, one pick, 55.2 passer rating at that point. The point being is that um, I don't know that Kyle Shanahan can necessarily be really, really pleased with his starting quarterback. And as we've frequently discussed on this program before and on Purple Daily and on Ventline at times, the Minnesota Vikings have a quarterback who we know Kyle Shanahan Um, coveted. You're not supposed to covet thy neighbor's quarterback, but Kyle Shanahan did. Covet away. And he's coveting (laughs) the quarterback on the Vikings roster. I just find it very intriguing that Jimmy G is leaving that door open, and Cousins, the door on Cousins here seems to be closing. Unfortunately, the contract is not. Just trying to put the pieces together for your one opportunity to maybe move Kirk Cousins to the Bay Area come this spring or summer. Listen, the Vikings proved yesterday they can win football games with anybody at quarterback. If, the, if their goal is to win football games this season, they can do it with Sean Mannion. They can do it with either of their young uh, practice squad guys. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win like eight more games or anything, but they like they sort of showed you yesterday. Mike Zimmer can scheme up a defense regardless of who's starting. And, uh, and Dalvin Cook, if he stays healthy, is going to be the focal point. And so what I would do is I would pick up the phone between now and the trade deadline tomorrow. I would call the 49ers and I would call the Dallas Cowboys. And I would say, listen, I know you guys already have highly paid starting quarterbacks. One of them is on injured reserve for the rest of the year on franchise tag. But what do you think? What what do you think, Kirk Cousins? What do you think of San Francisco intrigues me? It really does. It's about the only like actual realistic fit. Dallas to me hangs up. Shanahan doesn't. Um, but yeah, it, does Phil, Dallas hang up after what happened yesterday? Uh, When's he, Andy Dalton supposed to come? back? I think he's supposed to come back in a week or so. And, okay. and plus, they they're probably a, a lost cause until 2021. San Francisco. I'm saying I think Kyle thinks if I can get Kirk, I can build around Kirk. I think Shanahan thinks that Kirk is fantastic running Kyle's system. And Kyle's very good. Okay, so perhaps he can get far more from Kirk than the Vikings can. I don't care. That's perfect. 
But Phil, your your point is a good one in this sense. If you think that this through, how many quarterbacks starting for the Vikings on Sunday would have won that exact game? I mean, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I, I think mean, Mannion all, does. Yeah. Jake Browning, I think, does. And now he might choke because he doesn't know the system as well. But yeah, that's a there's a lot of backup, lowly paid quarterbacks who you could have plugged in there on Sunday for the Vikings who could have done that exact same job at ba- basically a tenth of the salary cap. Yeah. Uh, all right. I learned that Joe Burrow is a great example mm-hmm. of why. And I get that he's an extreme example because he was clear cut the best. Well, if Tua hadn't gotten hurt, I think it would have been a battle. But because of Tua's injury history, uh, Joe Burrow was the clear-cut number one pick last year. So I get that it's it, he's the equivalent of Trevor Lawrence going into the 2021 draft. He doesn't apply to all rookie quarterbacks. But he is the reason why you do everything you can to get the franchise quarterback. Uh, they won their second game of the season. And, and keep in mind, this Bengals team... It's not like Joe Burrow stepped into a Ferrari here, okay, folks? Like, this this Bengals team was atrocious defensively for years going into this thing. Their offensive line has been a problem even this year. But Joe Burrow is just mobile enough. He's confident enough. And um, and they're throwing punches with some teams in the AFC. They almost beat Cleveland. And Cleveland's fine. Cleveland's not a train wreck anymore. Uh, and so this is sort of modest praise. But Joe Burrow, I guess what I'm saying is, He's making up for other deficiencies around that roster, even as a rookie, because he's so talented. Think about what he's going to be in two years, three years, four years, and uh, he'll just be another guy that passes up Kirk Cousins. Like every time a new young quarterback comes in the league, <laughs> Tua, uh, they pass up Kirk Cousins. So yeah. if you're the Vikings, I'm not saying that you're going to be able to get the equivalent of Joe Burrow right away because you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence now that you won this game against the Packers, but he's more incentive for drafting a young quarterback with some mobility and a big arm and just putting him in the fire and see what happens. And he costs you for about five years, basically nothing. Yeah, and then guess what? build all around him. And then you, and if you don't like him, okay, yeah. do it again in four years. That's okay. You don't have to sign the $30 million contract. You can just, you can test drive. You can date for three or four years. Yep. Declan, what's something you learned? I learned that the uh, the Patriots dynasty is officially over. I mean, it's yeah. it's done. Like it is done. And they they teased us a little bit in the first few weeks of the season when Cam played pretty well. But they, they lost it. Look, and Tua, bravo, man. I'm glad he got his first win. But Bill Belichick lost to a rookie quarterback making his first NFL start. Seriously, how the mighty have fallen. Not just their offense. Like the Patriots' defense was pretty good last year too. And Tua Tagovailoa steps in. And carves up Bill Belichick, Wait, the Patriots dynasty. Uh, I think you're mix, I think you're mixing up your games. Excuse me. I, I'm looking at. Well, I was also looking at the uh, the wrong game, but the the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen and, and and company. Obviously, still the the Patriots are done. the The dynasty is absolutely over. I still like Judd said he, a few weeks ago that they kind of screwed themselves from not putting themselves right away in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. They're still a little bit behind the eight ball because the Jets and Giants are so bad. But the Patriots dynasty is absolutely over. Yeah. Uh, and maybe 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 he flips it over quick. Maybe it maybe it, it all it takes is one quarterback at this year's draft for them to go right back to being the Patriots. See, but here's the interesting thing: like done. they won a couple games. I think they won two games out of their first three or four with Cam. Would they have been better off? Now, I, it, obviously, they saw Cam available. Thought oh, we can sign yeah. him for a million yes. bucks. He, we we he can answer your questions. Yes, we can make a run at this. Jared thing. Stidham should have started from day one, and they would have gone two and fourteen or three and thirteen. And now they're probably going to go. You know, they're going to win some games because they've they've already sort of committed to this. And yep. Cam's good enough. Uh, and now they're going to be he? now they're going to be. Stu- no, I'm saying he's good enough to win some more games. Is he these days? 
Well, he they were going to win that game yesterday, and he's the one that fumbled yes. on like the twenty yard line. Yes, they raked the ball from them, yep. or at least tied it. Uh, what else did we learn, boys? I learned that the the Los Angeles Rams are just a flat out weird team. So <laughs> they go hot, they go cold, and then um, they lose twenty eight seventeen to the Dolphins on Sunday. That's the game the two was started in. But let me give you Jared Goff's line, and this is where I don't get Goff. Okay, like this is because this, this is a guy who at times uh, with McVeigh as his play caller and coach can look fantastic. But then he puts up this line yesterday, and wait for the the QBR because the rest of the stats sound okay. Thirty five of sixty one, so he threw sixty one passes, which resulted in three hundred and fifty five yards, a touchdown, and two picks, and then the QBR twelve point nine. Um. I don't necessarily get them because there are times where I watch the Rams play and think Aaron Donald on defense, Goff on offense. This team is really damn good. And there are times I watch them and like, what happened there? But uh, Jared Goff and a 12.9 QBR is really pathetic. The Los Angeles Rams are, to be clear, among many teams in this league that I officially don't know how to put my finger on because every time I do, they do something different. Yeah, I think I think part of it is Miami's defense is very very good, and Miami has kind of been afterthought for a lot of people because they've just been a laughing stock for the better part of the last ten years. But they are well coached, um, and I think the I think it's more like Miami is a team to watch and might even have a chance to win that division. And it's a hiccup for the Rams than it is like the Rams are frauds and they've been exposed. But um, but yeah, they are a weird team. Like you thought they were going to be this well-oiled offensive machine that Goff was going to be this yes. borderline top five quarterback two years ago, and obviously there's some flaws there. Uh, one other thing I learned, boys: the Bears are who we thought they were. To steal a famous line, the Bears' offense looked putrid for the majority of that game. They did show some fight late, and ultimately the uh, New Orleans Saints kicked the game-winning field goal in overtime. But Nick Foles threw a bad interception. They couldn't protect him. He got sacked a handful of times. And now there's legitimate discussion in Chicago about whether they should go back to Mitchell Trubisky as the starting quarterback. So, but, but, but when I say the Bears are who I thought they were, um, they can uh, they can stifle you defensively, but they still don't have a great offense, and they still can't find out who their quarterback is. And it's been that way for 50 years, basically. Imagine so. if they go back to Trubisky. God. It might be the right move because at least he can, at least he can move around a little bit. <laughs> the fact that you said that though is frightening. Yeah, honest know. to God, yeah, yeah. I mean, Nick Nick Foles he showed a little bit of life in the second half, but um, but yeah, that Nick was Foles uh, that was can a play classic for Bears one team, the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's it. Uh, Dex, you got one more thing for us? Things that you learned? I do. I do. My guy. I told you about him at the beginning of the year. My guy, Drew Locke, orchestrates a beautiful oh, comeback God. yesterday. And in the second half for the Denver Broncos, gets that last play in at the last second, gets the Denver Broncos a big win. I, I, everyone was sleeping on them after Von Miller went out, and I, and I picked them to be the last team in the in the playoff seed in the AFC. But my guy Drew Locke, when the pressure turned on, turned it up to a next level, starts singing some Young Jeezy, and all of a sudden we got the dance moves, we got the touchdown passes. Drew Locke, my guy. Keep it up, my dude. The Chargers might be the biggest choke artist going in the National Football League right now. The stats are unbelievable. They basically, so if a game gets tight, they are going to blow said game. Yeah. Dude, they were up, how about this, late in the third quarter. Late in the third quarter, they were up 24-3. to three, And, they, lo- and yes. they lost that game 31-30. to 30. Yes. 
They are they are Brilliant the definition mechanism. of choking pigs in the National Football League these no, days. They, no, they've identified Justin Herbert as their franchise quarterback, and they've said, let's get up to the number four pick here by losing a few games. Let's get him, he let's is get him that next piece. I do like him. Yeah, he's... Uh, Oh, he's he's mobile. He's got the arm strength, the arm talent. He's got a little he's got a little gamble to okay. him. So those are the things we learned <laughs> on NFL Sunday, going around the league. Uh, who's who's the Monday night game tonight? Tampa Bay Giants, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the New York uh, Football Giants. Oof. God, that's going to be a massacre. Oh yeah, it's going to be real exciting to Yikes. watch. Uh, all right, boys, let's let's get into the Gopher football team here. Let's talk about what the hell happened in that game against Maryland. And I will start by saying, with both teams, it is some of the, and this is not hyperbole, like I've watched football for 30 plus years, some of the most incompetent and worst game and clock and timeout management with both teams in the fourth quarter. Like, you want, let's start with Maryland actually. Maryland had the ball, chance to throw a Hail Mary even, like fourth down from like the 45 yard line. Chance to do a number of things. Like they could have, they could have called timeout with 15 seconds left and maybe gained a first down and then threw a ball into the end zone or maybe kicked a field goal or something. They let the clock run out and go to overtime. Yes. And then there's PJ Fleck who just and I sort texted of like, you and said, for, "What are they doing?" Yeah. And you said, "I don't know, Judd." And then there's PJ Fleck who just like forgot that Rashad Bateman is on his team. Apparently, like we're just gonna, we're just going to stop throwing the ball to Rashad Bateman now. Yeah. I guess that's that's going to be a thing. He's been infiltrated by Zim. That's the problem. Zim is possessing him. Run the ball more, PJ. Run the ball more. Run the ball more. Uh, I would like to retract something that I said on the Mackey and Judd show early last week uh, because I made this exact statement. The game against Michigan was very disappointing, Judd said, but the season's not done yet. Okay, I'd like to retract that. The season is now done. It is. <laughs> you you gave That's up. Correct. You gave up. Let, let me quantify this statistically from a defensive only standpoint. All right? So this has nothing to do with Bateman's use. It has nothing to do with the gopher offense, period. Coming off a game in which you gave up 481 yards to Michigan, but it's Michigan, so it's embarrassing. But, oh, you know, it's Michigan. Okay. Good team. You gave up to Maryland, which got waxed by Northwestern in its first game. 675 total yards, Dude, that's, that's 394 nuts. through the air, six offensive touchdowns, giving you 12 offensive touchdowns against in the past two games, and all 45 of the points in this case were scored by the Maryland offense, all right? So let me just quickly put into context 675 yards against, because the number is daunting. It's almost incomprehensible, okay? When Rob Smith was was dismissed in November, I believe it was November 4th, 2018, as the Gophers DC and replaced by, I believe his name is Joe Rossi, okay? He was coming off a performance as the defensive coordinator where Illinois, which is probably 2018, that team is probably comparable to where Maryland is right now because they both certainly are not juggernauts in football. His defense in that game had given up 646 yards. Now, 430 of those came via the rush. But the point is, there are probably two games in particular that got Rob Smith fired in season, okay? Nebraska on October 20th of 2018, 659 yards. And then the Illini, 646 yards on November 3rd against the Gophers. And Rob Smith is fired, rightfully so. Maryland had 675 yards. 
So just to give you the context, this was a worse performance than the performance that got the previous DC fired. Yeah, that is, I mean, yeah. And now, okay, obviously they lost half their defense to the NFL, including one of the best defensive players in the nation in Antoine Winfield Jr. But this is, like, like, that's not an excuse for all of a sudden becoming just like one of the worst teams in the Big Ten, apparently, overnight. And I get that you're going through guys testing positive for COVID, and even offensively you've lost some uh, key pieces, including one of your best offensive linemen. But, you know, this is, in college football, this is not just a three- or four-year upswing and then, okay, we've accomplished our goal. This is sort of the first time in P.J. Flex college head coaching career because Western Michigan, he built it up. Year four, boom, Cotton Bowl, Wisconsin, took the Gophers job. Boom, handful of, you know, what, three or four years, whatever it took to build up to the New Year's Day Bowl game. They beat Auburn, bam, okay. He's done that twice now where he's he's taken something, brought it up to another level at both schools and and had that big moment either getting to a bowl game that you weren't supposed to get to or winning a bowl game you weren't supposed to get to. Mm-hmm. Now what? And and as a product of that success, you see guys go and play in the NFL, and that's awesome. Like that's what you want as a big time program. Mm-hmm. You want you want to recruit and develop players so that they can help you win big games, and then they go to the NFL. But the train keeps moving, and so you don't then just get to say, "Oh, well, we lost all these guys to the NFL, and now we allow seven hundred yards to Maryland." Like <laughs> that's not how this works. Yes. If 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 right. and especially I I would say from our standpoint, talking about this team. We would be doing that program an injustice by just letting it slide to. Because the goal has never been have a pop up season. The goal has been for my entire lifetime as a and as a guy who, who graduated from that university, sustained success and and flirting with Big Ten divisional titles on a regular basis. And it's less about the 0 and two record and it's less about losing a game you're not supposed to, and it's more about how incompetent it looks. And with some of the in-game decisions in terms of like clock management and strategy, how much PJ has yet to learn about that aspect as a head coach. Uh, and I'm still a PJ Flett guy. I know he's corny. I know he has all these isms and acronyms and stuff. And I know that it can rub people the wrong way. I still think he's a really good college head coach. Yep. But the shine after that game against Maryland is off a little bit. It's off a little bit. And we'll see where it goes from here. And you had what, what I believe it was four defensive players from your 2019 team were drafted, and those were very good players. I get that. But when you have, in two games, given up 87 defensive points and 1,156 yards, I mean, that's fundamental breakdowns of football. And and let me say this. I, I subjected myself to watching the entire game on Friday. That was not a Maryland team where you said, oh, were they hot and you were just cold and too bad. That was an eminently winnable football game, even if you won it 51 to something, all right? And for you to come out and look that unprepared on defense and to look like you didn't have a clue. And I I think what's most disturbing is the Michigan game, to me, gave you a week or time in practice and certainly film study to improve. And we're talking about fundamentals here. We're like, we're talking about tackling and things. And you didn't. Um, I am certainly not at a place where I would write PJ Fleck off. Far from that. Uh, but you can't get up to the point where we did after 2019, which is to be excited for the first time in a long time about this program, and then be like, oh, they're just back to being bad. Yeah. 
there's more to it than like like to say that would be to dismiss them, which I have no interest in doing. And to look at these statistics and not be alarmed, I don't care who's play. I don't care if you you went and got a bunch of JUCO players. Um, to not be alarmed by the ineptitude of this defense to me is an injustice to the entire conversation. Here's one more thing too that just like the defensive performance is the is the headline, obviously, but the other thing that just bugged the hell out of me at the end of regulation, I just wanted to pull up just to make sure that I was remembering it correctly. So it's a tie game, thirty-eight to thirty-eight. The Gophers have the ball, and they are driving. They have the ball starting at their own twenty-five, and they drive almost to midfield and they uh, and they run into a bit of a wall and now it's fourth down and two from their own 47 yard line mm-hmm. with a minute 12 left on the clock mm-hmm. and so I get that your field goal kicking situation and your punting situation are both sort of train wrecks right now but you've been moving the ball on them for three and a half hours too like yeah your defense is a sieve correct. which which is also more reason to not punt the ball to Maryland in that spot correct but you've been moving the ball on them and Mo Ibrahim had a better game than Dalvin Cook had. Like, Mo Ibrahim had four touchdowns in that game. It was ridiculous. And so, for you to punt the ball in that situation back to Maryland, giving them a minute now to move the ball on your Swiss cheese defense, of course, they get the ball to midfield, and then they, you know, chicken out. And instead of going for it on fourth down or throwing a Hail Mary or something, why not go for it on fourth and two from the 47-yard line? You're probably going to get the first down. I, I would venture to guess that in that game, 75% of the time you get that first down, and now you have a minute to march, let's say, 20 more yards, and at the very least, you set up for a game-winning field goal that maybe is a coin flip. But you also have a chance to break a big play with Ibrahim or with or with one of your two stud wide receivers, including one of the best players in the country, and to punt in that spot is so egregious. Not only are you giving... So you're, you're waving the white flag in regulation, and you're giving them a chance to come down and score to win the game in regulation, but you're now hoping that your defense can make a stop from the 25-yard line in a game in which they haven't been able to make a stop with a 100-yard field. So punting in that spot shows me just how far P.J. Fleck has to go when it comes to game management, clock management, and things like that, independent of the defensive leaks that we saw in that game. I don't think when Very th- rippable. I don't think when things start to fly for P.J. in-game, close game, or things aren't going well, I don't think he's yet reached a point where he's comfortable. He makes a lot of uncomfortable, weird, panicked decisions, um, which, which actually goes back at times to 2019 as well, guys. But that's the one thing is is I really think that if there's a part of, of PJ's coaching that could be worked with, it's very much the clock and it's very much in-game situations when things are spiraling the wrong way in his mind. Yeah, He gets sort of panicky and makes weird decisions where you you say, hey, just slow th- things down. To your point, Phil, um, your offense is still damn good. Like, it's not like you're thinking, oh, man, you, you've still got a- an offense, and it's Maryland. Like, if if this is how you handle Maryland in this situation, what are you going to do against Wisconsin then? Here's another thing, too, right? So, and you, you brought up uh, sort of like the panicked nature of P.J. Fleck in that situation. So they go up by 17 points, 38 to 21. And again, my brain, I had to go back and just make sure that like what actually happened is matching up with what I thought. I thought they went into a shell offensive. I thought they thought, oh, we're up 38 to 21. Let's just shut her down here. Let's just start milking clock and make sure we're all good. All right. So 
Maryland scores on the ensuing possession to make it 38-28. to And then your offense gets the ball back with a double-digit lead in that spot in the fourth quarter, okay? Mm-hmm. And your possessions went like this. So you get the ball here, 38-28, and you go uh, run, run, short pass, stuffed, three and out. So run, run, short pass, super conservative, right? Then your next, So then Maryland gets the ball back. Uh, they kick a field goal. So now you're still up by seven points. And there are seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. You go run, run, and then another pass on third and six in which Tanner Morgan gets sacked for a loss of nine, a three and out in that spot. But your only like your only thought there is run on first down, run on second down, make sure we bleed clock as much as possible. And then if we have to throw on third down, think about that. If we have to throw with one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten and one of the best wide receivers in the country, then I guess we will. And I get that you were running the ball at will for the majority of the game in that spot, but like, why not lean on your best weapons to dagger Maryland in that spot? Because PJ Fleck was was invaded by Zim's brain. <laughs> Seriously, I know that's how Mike thinks. And then it's okay. the same exact thing. And then the game is tied. Okay, the game is tied at thirty eight with three minutes to go. Uh-huh. Their first play from the twenty five yard line is a handoff to Mo Ibrahim up the middle. It's like, all right, we get it. You run the ball well in this game, right? But now the game is on the line, yeah. and you've got this shiny object over here named Rashad Bateman. Maybe use him. And you've got in those two guys, spots. yes, Re- receivers too. And they ran. Bottom so this Bell is great. Thirty-eight to thirty-eight. The, the drive that I'm talking about, where they eventually punted, they ran the ball four times in five plays. Now one yeah. of them was a was a, a successful seven yarder, so that so that was good. But they ran the ball four times in five plays in that spot with a chance to win the game with like a minute and a half to go. Yeah. Like what? So I, but how does I your defense it. look this bad? <laughs> like I get guys are gone, but how do you look this pathetic? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad news because now that they've lost that game too, it kind of because we were kind of like ah, oh, they lost to Michigan, but like they'll definitely win the next three games, and then, and then right. they'll see what they Write can do. Write that against. down, Maryland, yeah. like Illinois, no dude, question they'll win them. Dude, what is Wisconsin going to do to you on the ground? What What are some of these man? And then Michigan goes and gets beat. Pretty soundly by Michigan State too. Like they were down by double digits. Late I got to be game. honest. If they lose, if they lose on Saturday, if I'm Bateman, I might peace out. It's not a terrible thought. It's a COVID year. It's really weird. I'm really good still. I'm really not being used very effectively. I might be, be like, you know what, guys? I'm sorry, but I shouldn't have come back. I'm done. Yeah. The uh... there's a write that down coming up on Wednesday, Jed. But I already got burned last week. I, I guaranteed wins over Maryland and the Illini, and I just got burned by that. Yeah. Well, Sun, Sun Bowl 2021, here we come. <laughs> well, boys, that's a wrap on this episode of Mackie and Judd. And tomorrow, we got to come up with a name for this here. Um, I think we're going to call it, because I, I want Declan to be able to review film of almost everything. Like, whether it's football quarterbacks or whether wow. it's like the Bachelorette or something. I want Declan this to be able to get be dangerous. Yeah. So I think I think it's just going to be a amateur film. Oh, this is really going to be dangerous. <laughs> now it's going in a direction. Amateur film connoisseur Declan Goff <laughs> yeah. is going to okay. g- give us a look at the uh, BYU kid. Not from his company computer, though. <laughs> That's right. No. So we'll do that on tomorrow's the show. Head, the headband is ready. I like it. And be I'm sure to, to check out Purple Daily, seven days a week Vikings content, either in your podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com or on youtube.com slash purple daily podcast. You can also check out our other new YouTube channel for all kinds of other Mackie and Jeb related segments and content. That would be youtube.com slash score North M N. 
We'll see you guys tomorrow. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.